Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Thank you, Nathan. Um, Thanks very much. Great worship this morning. Thank you guys for all your hard work. Um, We really do appreciate it. And as as they've said already, um, it's the start of a new series. So we're really looking forward to this over the, the month of August over the summer months, um, where we will be looking at stories that live, and a little bit more about that um, in, in due course, but just, just to say again, I know we're fewer in number uh, this morning, but it's just so good to be here, and Alini and I are especially just grateful because we were doing the maths, and we were realizing that along with holiday, because we're obviously on holiday for three weeks, and, and then last week I was in Ilkeston speaking, it's actually two of the last seven weeks that we've been here in Mansfield. So we really do miss being here um, because this is where we believe God has planted us and has called us to be. And, and so we miss you so much. As much as we love being in Ilkeston, we really miss uh, being here. And um, I had the opportunity last week um, just to brag a little bit about you guys in front of the guys at Ilkeston. And I said to them, you are doing an amazing job. Um, because we really feel in many ways two out of seven weeks, three weeks on holiday, and everything has just gone so well. And, and we just want to thank you to, to everyone who's involved um, in being here in practical ways, everything that happens uh, on a Sunday. Um, we're just so glad that we're doing church as part of a team, um, that, that really things just happen here. Um, and there's so many faithful people leading, but also just actively uh, involved. And so even if you're here and you're just gracing us with your presence, you know, it's great to have you. And, and thank you for your contribution um, on a Sunday. Because how many of you know, if I was preaching to empty chairs, it wouldn't quite be the same. I know there are some empty chairs, but um, it's great to see some faces out there uh, as well. So stories that live. Um, summer is a different pace, um, isn't it? It's a different pace in our house. Um, it's probably a different pace in your home. You, maybe you've got holidays coming up and things happening. Um, but we just want to, uh, in Arena, to yeah, go at a different pace, not to stop meeting together, um, but um, just do something a little different in the summer. And so Stories That Live is our series. And, and to be honest with you, you're going to hear me kind of preach, I suppose, today. Uh, and then through the rest of the month, we're going to hear some people that you don't normally see up front sharing their stories. Um, and so it's really going to be refreshing and interesting. You don't have to hear me every week uh, through August. In fact, next week, I'll not kind of, I'll not spoil the whole month for you, but um, next week you get to hear from my wife, um, Alini. So I'm not going to spoil it, but she's got a great story, which, you know, just testifies of God's goodness and God's faithfulness. And so you guys get to hear a little bit about uh, that next week. Um, But today, um, I want to just share a story from the Bible. um, Because how many of you know that the whole Bible is a narrative, isn't it? It's, It's a series of stories, if you like, that are all woven together into one wonderful story that is the story of the redemption of humankind. Uh, and so all of these stories woven into the Bible um, have, have just different meanings, special meanings. And, and so in a way, preaching on stories that live, 
there's so many stories we could look at uh, in the Bible. But um, today I want to just uh, look at the story, which is a very intriguing story, probably one of the stories in the Bible which intrigues me most. Um, and it's the story of a, a man named Job. And many of you would know the story, uh, or you may not know it. It's, it's, it's not a necessarily an easy story. It's a little bit of a hard-hitting story in some ways, a bit scary. Uh, but ultimately, any story that's in the Bible, there's a reason why it's in the Bible. Yeah? There's a reason why the book of Job is in the Bible. And, and so I really felt that God was laying this upon my heart to share this morning. And I believe that there is something in it for us here today. I believe that God is going to speak to people here today. If God's not going to speak to people, I'm wasting my time and I'm wasting my breath. I'm believing that as we look at the Word of God, not the Word of Stephen, but the Word of God, that it's going to speak into your lives. And so the story of Job is a story that, um, that, that well, we could look at so much detail in the story of Job. It's a, it's a book in the Bible which is 42 chapters long. And so we're not going to be able to go into all the little detail. But what I want to do today is just look at a summary of the book and, and, and just in a very broad sense, look at why is Job in the Bible? What's it saying to us and how can that uh, impact on our lives? You with me? Good. Any of you read through the book of Job before? It it's, can be heavy going. It's good stuff. Um, but there's some chapters in there that are quite heavy going. But um, it's the Word of God. So actually, um, Job is one of the oldest books in the Bible, interestingly enough. Um, I, well, quite a few years ago now, um, I read the Bible chronologically in a year. So in other words, not in the normal order of the Bible, but in the order as if it was a timeline. And I was really quite surprised to find that, that Job was really right up at the beginning of, in terms of chronological order. In fact, um, most scholars would believe that the story of Job was set at the time of the patriarchs, so really at the time where Abraham uh, was living and, and in that same kind of era. And if you read the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible, really chapter 12, we're already getting into the, the, the life of Abraham. So it was really right at the, at the beginning um, of the Bible. And, um, and it's, it's a story about a man who the Bible says, was a blameless man. It, it says that he was a man of complete integrity. He feared God, and he stayed away from evil. So Job was a good man. In fact, not only was he good, but he was very rich too. Um, in fact, this probably doesn't mean much to you, but he had seven sons and three daughters, but he also had 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and many servants, it says. Which, to be honest with you, doesn't make a lot of sense to us in, in modern days. But it says this. It says he was the richest man in the whole area, in his whole area. So he was a very wealthy man. And, and you know, today is going to be quite informal, so you're not going to get a lot up on the screen. In fact, I don't think you're going to get much at all on the screen I just want to read um, just a few sections from uh, the book of Job. And if you've got your Bibles, follow along. But if not, just, just listen in. And, and I'm picking it up in chapter 1. 
um, verse 6, and it says this. One day the members of the heavenly court came to present them before the Lord, themselves before the Lord, and the accuser Satan came with them. Where have you come from, the Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, Have you noticed my servant Job? He's the finest man in all the earth. He's blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and he stays away from evil. Satan replied to the Lord, Yes, but Job has good reason to fear the Lord. For you have always put a wall of protection around him, his home, his property. You have made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But reach out and take away everything he has, and he will surely surely, um, curse you to your face. All right, you may test him, said the Lord. Do whatever you want with him. Take away everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. And so Satan left the Lord's presence. And go won't go into all the detail of it, but basically what happened is, is that on one day, one day, he lost everything. He lost his seven sons and his three daughters who were all killed as, as a building collapsed where they were having a gathering. He lost all his donkeys. He lost all his sheep. He lost all his camels. He lost all of his possessions, even his servants, in that one day. And so calamity struck him in a way that um, no one could have predicted. Um, this is where people started thinking about things like insurance. Yeah? This is in the days before insurance. <laughs> but uh, aren't you glad you have insurance? Your house burns down. Your car gets stolen. You know, everything the worst happens to you. Whew, that's where we rely on insurance. If they pay. That's the question. Ooh, um, insurance. Uh, not a topic for a Sunday morning. So the worst happened to Job. And, and then we're, I'm going to pick up in, in, ver, in chapter 2. You'll notice the repetition. Verse 1. One day, the members of the heavenly court came again to present themselves before the Lord. And the accuser Satan came again with them. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan, as if he didn't know. Satan answered the Lord, I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. And then then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He's the finest man in all the earth. He's blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and he stays away from evil. And he has maintained his integrity, even though you urged me to harm him without cause. Satan replied to the Lord, skin for skin, a man will give up everything he has to save his life. But reach out and take away his health, and he will surely curse you to your face. All right, do with him as you please, the Lord said to Satan, but spare his life. So Satan left the Lord's presence and he struck Job with terrible boils from head to foot. Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes. Ouch. His wife said to him, are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. But Job replied, you talk like a foolish woman. Anyone ever said that to their wives? Not me. You talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all of this, Job said nothing wrong. And just that far, 
Are we all depressed? <laughs> what a story, isn't it? This man who had everything and then, and then suddenly everything turned around. He, he lost everything. He even lost his health. You may say, thanks for depressing us, Stephen. But let me tell you, this story is a revelation of the human experience. This is a revelation of, of what we face here on earth in a sense. That, you know, if you've lived long enough, then you will face loss. There's times when, when, when we face loss. Yeah? There's times when we, when we face suffering. It happens in life. And there's times when we even face what Job, Job faced, and if we read through all the detail in, in, in the middle chapters, where it, he, he faced silence from heaven. He, he, he was praying to God, but it was like God wasn't talking back. Only at the end, when we, we look at that a little bit later, when God really started speaking back. Hello? You see, it's so important for us to realize as Christians... That, that we live in a fallen world, we live in a normal world, that we as Christians aren't immune from suffering, we aren't immune from loss, we aren't even immune from times where we just don't really even hear the voice of God. And so the, the importance of Job being in the Bible is for us to realize that, that yes, these things happen. And how can we face them? What, what should, how should we face these things? And what can we learn from the book of Job as we look at this, this big book of 42, 42 chapters? And Job, to be fair, the whole book of Job poses some, some very interesting questions. Some entering, interesting questions which, which really get to really quite deep issues about Loss, suffering, and hearing the voice of God. See, I don't know about you, but I am so glad that there are stories like this in the Bible. You see, I've lived a good life, and I, I, I can praise God and testify of His goodness. But there's times in my life where I need stories like Job to encourage me. I need stories like Job to realize that what I'm going through, I'm not the only one. That what I'm going through, that, that it doesn't surprise God. That what I'm going through is not something that's happened because, because God was ignoring me. In fact, God is in the midst of it. And so, if you have a chance to read through Job, I encourage you to do so. It's really split into just three, maybe mostly three sections. Job 1 and 2 deals with what I've read to you now um, of how Job was you know, so wealthy and lost everything. Um, and then there's this middle section of Job 3 right through to 37. So the bulk of Job, um, which really deals with a, a series of debates. You see, what happens to Job is that three of his friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and, and Zophar, quite, quite nice names, aren't they? Um, come and, and, and basically um, start initially just being with him and mourning with him, but then they start speaking into his life. And to be honest with you, a lot of what they say is, is not great. And we're going to look at that in a moment. Um, but it's a series of them saying things and then 
Job rebutting or Job responding. Um, But really what they were saying is, Job, if these things have happened to you, you must have sinned to bring these things upon you because God would only do that to somebody who's in sin. And, And Job says, no, but I'm innocent. I've done nothing. I've done nothing to deserve this. And so it's this to and, this, and it's this fro. And to be honest with you, can I just say at this point, really on the, on the, on just on the side, that not everything that's written in the Bible is true. Ouch. You know what? Because in, if we read in, the, in, in Job, what it's doing, it's an account of people saying false things. Hello? So if you take a scripture out of context, you may think this is what it's saying, but you need to read the whole book in context. It's explaining some people who were foolish saying things, and then Job is responding. So if anyone ever quotes anything and says, Eliphaz or Bildad said this, it must be true. No, they're making false assumptions. False, their theology is terrible, but it's written in the Bible. And of course, the Bible then goes on to explain everything and, and, and explain what really is good theology. And can I just say, this is so important. If, you've, if you may be a bit lost, where is this going? Can I say, the reason the story's in the Bible is because you go to churches and you hear people saying things like, do good, be blessed. Do bad, God will curse you. That's false theology. Can I say that? That's false theology. People would tell you, if you come to know Jesus, everything's going to go swimmingly well. Before long, you're going to be rich. If you just put your 10% into the tithes and offerings, you'll be rich. You'll be blessed. You'll, you'll be overflowing with blessing. Can I tell you, not always the case. Does God bless us? Of course He does. But let me tell you that there's times where we do everything faithfully for God and hardship still comes our way. So whatever you label you want to put on it, let me tell you that it's not always blessing if you become a Christian. Can I just deal? We, 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 we talk about reaping and sowing, and that's an important principle because the Bible talks, you know, if you sow, you will reap, and that's true. Because if you sow goodness, you do reap goodness. But let me tell you, there are occasions where Unmerited favor comes upon you. Nathan spoke about it. There's times when we don't sow, but we still reap. And there's times when we do everything wrong and and bad things happen. Are those contradictory in any way? Not at all. Those are just two flip sides of the coin. Let me explain it in a way to you. I work in financial services, for those of you that don't know, um, Mondays to Fridays. And let me tell you, I talk a lot with people in situations of debt and some people who manage their finances well. And let me tell you that it's true in financial terms that you, you reap what you sow. In other words, if you manage your finances well and you save money, and you, 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 you will reap a harvest. And I've seen that happen. But there's also people that manage their finances well and then catastrophic things happen to them. So do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, it doesn't negate the sowing and reaping. But it does mean that that's just a simple formula, and it's too simple for life. Sometimes things happen that are unmerited favor, and sometimes things happen that just happen because of, the, of bigger things happening in the world. 
And so if you're still with me today, can I just say that let's not settle for a, for a, for a simple uh, and false theology. Let's understand that, that both of those can be true. You know, we can manage our, our church finance well. We can, touched on it, have insurance policies in place. And, and, you know, I think we manage our finance well as a church from what I've seen. But, but bad things can happen where the insurance don't want to pay as well. Not because of anything that, um, that, that we've done or any irresponsibility, but because just things happen. You see, I, I get passionate about this because I'm from a, a place where there's, there's a lot of poverty. And, you know, I've touched on it before. And Alini is too in Brazil and South Africa. And, and let me tell you, some of the most godly people we know are people that, that aren't the richest. But they're faithful, I tell you. They're faithful and I, I remember last year when, when one of our friends, Billy, um, one of the, the people that really encouraged me so greatly in Scotland, he was an elder in our church and just loved Alini and I, him and his wife. And, and what do you do when, when somebody's cut down early in their life, when they have so much more to give? They've served God faithfully, but they die early. You know, hard things happen. If you weren't depressed already, now you are. But you know what? For me, the most important thing is to be honest. And the most important thing is to be real. Because I can, I can stand up here and testify of the goodness of God, and He is good. I can testify of blessing, and boy, does our God bless us. But we need to be real. We need to be real. If you, can I just encourage you? If you're in a position of being overwhelmed, then this story is for you. Because you know what? In this story, we read of Job saying, he started out strong, but then he said, I cursed the day I was born. God, I cursed the day. I should have never been born. Because of all this trouble I'm going through. Who's heard of the prophet Elijah? Yeah, you've heard of the prophet Elijah, who did great things for God. One of the you know, famous prophets of the Old Testament who, who, who ran and hid under a, or hid under a broom tree and, and said, God, take my life. Everyone goes through these times. Everyone goes through these difficulties. You see, we need to understand that bad things happen. Firstly, but we also need to understand that God's ways are incomprehensible. If you're trying to make sense of Job, maybe you can and you're super intelligent, but there's a lot of things in there that don't make sense to me. Can I admit it? I'm the preacher. There's things that I still, I question, God, I don't understand everything. But the Bible says in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, it says God's ways are higher than our ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, God's ways are higher than ours. In other words, you can study, you can know all the Bible, you can have a PhD. There's things you won't understand. Because the author of the book, the one that inspired us, inspired the book, his ways are higher than our ways. Can I tell you that that's the biggest encouragement to me? I love the fact that I don't understand God. Because if I understood everything about God, that would mean my intelligence level's just about on His level. And that would scare me. Yeah, amen. 
That would scare me. I love the fact that God's ways are incomprehensible. Sometimes when we follow and life goes on, we look back and we see the wisdom and the importance of things that we went through. But there's also times where we'll never understand why we went through these things until we get to heaven. You see, God allows things to happen, to teach us, to purify us, to test us, to conform us to His image. He allows things to happen sometimes. How many of you lift weights, yeah? Anybody? Any, yeah, there's a few guys there. I don't lift weights. Um, I have a set of weights that I don't lift. So the, the weights stayed in the cupboard for a long time. Uh, and now they got moved this spring. They got moved from the cupboard to outside the house on the back uh, patio with the intention of me getting up uh, early in the morning because I'm a bit of an early riser and, and going outside and, and, and uh, lifting the weights. Okay, um, it never happened. <laughs> the reason my, why my shirt is getting tighter is not because I've been working out. But do you understand the principle of weights? Do you understand the principle that when, if I lift my arm like this, it's only going to give me so much strength, won't it? But when I load it with a weight, and I, and I go like this, you know, and I lift it, it starts to build my muscles stronger. It's that principle of when life is hard or when things are a bit harder, it actually builds strength, doesn't it? That it starts to make those muscles stronger. Maybe your spiritual muscles, as you're going through hard things, you start to get stronger. And you start to say, you know what? I've been through that. I've seen the faithfulness of God. It hurts, but I've seen the faithfulness of God. And I know that He's real. And I can testify of what He's done. I can minister to people that are going through the same thing that I've gone through because I can resonate and I can understand what they are going through. It's the principle of, of resistance training, isn't it? And, you know, God allows hard things to happen because if we were just living the life of smooth sailing, never moving from the couch, as it were. You know, if we were on holiday in our Christian lives the whole time, we'd never grow strong, would we? And we'd never build that endurance. So God allows these things. His ways are higher than our ways. But you know the best part of this story is that, um, that God restores Job. Read the last few chapters, and it's really 38 through 42 where, where this God breaks his silence, as it were, and he starts to speak to Job. He starts to correct Job. He starts to speak true theology. So if you want to read Job and get some theology, read chapters 38 to 42, when God himself is speaking. Don't read the other, uh, the other chumps, his friends, and what they have to say. Read 38 through 42, and, and God starts to speak. You know, James... In the New Testament, James 5 refers to Job as a man of endurance. But it says, but God was kind to him in the end. You see, God shows up initially in a whirlwind and he speaks to Job. He, he heals Job. He restores him. 
you know, another seven kids, you know, seven boys and three girls. Um, he, he restores to him his possessions, double what he had before. God blesses him and God restores him. Can I say there's deliverance for you too? That you may be going through the hard times, but there is deliverance for you too. That God allows things to happen, but that he's still in it. That at the end there is restoration. There was restoration for, for Job. But can I say, if you're a believer, of Je- if you believe in Jesus Christ today, there's a happy ending for you. I'm not saying that you're going to receive double-fold what you lost. Uh, you know, we don't know that in terms of physical possessions. Maybe you lost a, a child. I'm not saying you're going to receive double that back. But what I do know, if you believe in Jesus Christ, there is a reward for you in heaven. Let me tell you that you are going to win in the end. If you believe in Jesus Christ, no matter what you're going through, you're going to win in the end. I watched the athletics championships last night. What an anticlimax. Come on, who, who else watched the World, World Athletics Championships? A, a few of you. So I'll explain for those of you that didn't watch. Um, I was preparing my message, but I made sure that I knew what time it was. I wasn't going to miss out this fantastic finale. Usain Bolt, the the fastest man that ever lived, probably the best athlete uh, in terms of athletics that ever lived, who won all his medals and gold medals all the way. He doesn't do silver and bronze. And it was his last race, his last 100 meters before he retired. Everyone wanted to see him win. It was going to be amazing, and I wasn't going to miss it. You know what happened, for those of you that don't know? Usain Bolt had a slow start. Usain Bolt came through strong. Usain Bolt finished third. And that's not the worst part. The guy who won was a guy that had been convicted twice for treating on steroids, and then he came back, and he won the race. So history will show that, okay, he served his time. I'm not going to label him a drug cheat. But this guy that was banned twice for cheating beat Usain Bolt in his grand finale. What an anticlimax. You don't always win in life, do you? Can I tell you, if you're a Christian, you'll always win in the end. You're always going to win in the end. Let me tell you that there's going to come a time when this life is done, you're always going to win in the end. Because there's a place, the Bible says that no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind has ever imagined or conceived what God has in store for those that love Him. You're always going to win in the end. Yeah? We're going to go through some hard times and I'm sorry if I've depressed you, but let me encourage you with the fact that we are always going to win in the end. There's not going to be an anticlimax. It's going to be the climax of climaxes when we finish this innings, when we finish this race, and we go to heaven, and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You're always going to win in the end. Let me tell you, this is a story that I love because it's real. It's a a story that I love because it doesn't escape the hard things that happen in life. This is no glossy cover-up. This is real stuff. But I love the fact there's no hiding from it that we're always going to win in the